100 and it's on page 604 of your Bible. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. He is, it is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Amen. Jesus. Thank you, Bill. Yes, it is very exciting. Uh, it's great to be together. We normally have a 10 o'clock and a 4.30. It's, it's great. I love this, these summer months where we all join together. And I'm looking out and I'm seeing faces that I don't recognise. So it's, that's particularly exciting. And uh, it's great if you're a visitor, if you're new, I'd love to meet you afterwards. It's great to have you here. Um, it's my pleasure this morning to be preaching on this psalm, Psalm 100. Uh, it's a very famous psalm. Uh, it's a short psalm. Uh, and at first glance, it's a simple psalm. I like simple things. Um, but don't be fooled by its length, uh, because it's deeply profound, and it's directly relevant to anyone who wants to praise God and to pursue joy in the Lord. So I think we need to ask for, for God's help as we look at it together. Let's just pray and, uh, and do that now. Loving Heavenly Father, thank you for this psalm. Thank you for the wisdom and truth and encouragement that it contains. And thank you for bringing each one of us here this morning to consider your word. Lord, we're here because you have drawn us here. And we ask that by your spirit you would teach us, that you would lift our eyes to you, that you would remind us of things we've forgotten or even show us things that we've never seen before. So that we leave here today, Lord, worshipping you with gladness and with joy in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so there are no prizes for, for guessing what the theme of this psalm is, because it tells you right at the top, under the title, um, it says, it is a psalm for giving grateful praise. And it begins with some very specific commands, very clear. Verses 1 and 2. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. They're commands. Can you see that? Shout for joy to the Lord. That's very joyful. Shouting for joy is very joyful. There's no caveat. It doesn't say uh, if you happen to be in a good mood or if you're a particularly demonstrative or kind of emotional person, shout for joy. It's very simple. It's very clear. It says shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. I wonder what you, you think of when you think of people shouting for joy. I was thinking about this, and we've got the Lionesses playing this afternoon. I don't know if you've been following the, uh, the ladies at Euros, but um, go the Lionesses. I was reminded of the Neil Diamond song from last year that became a sort of anthem for the England team. So apologies if you don't like football, if you don't, if you don't support England. But uh, you get, I hope you'll see the point. We've, we've got a clip. Um, listen to this. Yeah. 
thank you. Um, I can see there's some football fans in the room, some not so much. Um, fine, thank you for bearing with that. But um, you get the point, whatever you think of football, those guys, those ladies, those gentlemen who were there supporting the team were not doing it out of duty. They were there getting behind their team. They were passionate. They were loving it. They were singing out. They were chanting. Of course, it all came crashing down 90 minutes later when we, when we lost the, in the final. But, you know, that's, that's not the point. Um, the point is they were shouting for joy. Now, you might think of something different when you think of shouting for joy, but do you think of shouting for joy when you praise God? Because that's the command. And we might be tempted to rationalise it and think, I'm sure it doesn't actually mean shouting for joy. That, that's probably just a turn of phrase. Or maybe you, you just gloss over it and you sort of just keep reading until you find a command. You think, yeah, that's a bit more realistic. I can do that one. Um, or maybe you do want to shout for joy and you, and you feel bad because you, you don't or you can't. You never have. And so this makes you, it, it makes you feel guilty almost. But it's an important question because this command to be joyful is not unusual in the Bible. Uh, when you start looking, it's, it's everywhere. I did a search on Bible Gateway, just put the word in joy into Bible Gateway. It comes up 242 times in scripture. Joy, joyful. Um, sometimes God's people are commanded to be joyful, like in the Psalms. Uh, sometimes God's people just are joyful often in the most surprising and unexpected of circumstances. And their joy is not superficial. It's not that someone's having a great day, the sun's shining, they're in a good mood, so they I might just praise the Lord, this is great. No, this kind of joy persists through persecution and trials and suffering. Uh, it is deep, it is strong, regardless of circumstances. And along with shouts of joy, we're, we're called to sing joyful songs. And I, and I love it that songs are mentioned specifically because they are so brilliant for helping us praise God. Um, first of all, songs distill truth. Have you noticed that? As you take a song like In Christ Alone, there's so much theology packed into four verses. It's incredible. You could study that song for years, there's so much theology in there. And it's packed into four verses. And then secondly, the way the lyrics are constructed, and they often rhyme, makes them memorable. I've been reading the Bible for over 40 years. I reckon there are verses in the Bible I've read not just hundreds of times, but thousands of times. And you know what? I still can't remember them. It's, it's so frustrating. I can't keep them in my head. Some of you have got photographic memories. You, you can do it. You can quote chapter and verse all the time. My brain just doesn't work like that. But give me a song lyric. It, it's in there for good. I, 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 the songs that I used to listen to as a teenager, I haven't listened to them since, I could still tell you every single word. It's, it's weird. Some people with dementia, one of the last things to go are song words. And so for some reason, you put them into a song, they stick in your mind. So it's distilled truth in a memorable form. And then when you put it to music, it engages your emotions. It stirs your heart. It lifts you. So you're singing distilled truth in a way you can remember it, and it's engaging your emotions. You're praising God. Songs are fantastic. Uh, I don't know, do you listen to too many songs, Christian songs, at home? That would be a, a very, very easy application from this morning. If you do nothing else, get a playlist of Christian songs. I've actually put one together. I'm going to ask Tim or Claire to send it round if that's useful to you. But make your own and listen to Christian songs. They're brilliant. And as we go through today, I'm going to mention one or two uh, just to reinforce the points that we're making.
So verses 1 and 2 tell us that joyful praise is at the heart of the Christian faith. And that is both wonderful and deeply challenging. Uh, Or in the words of the pastor John Piper, it's liberating and devastating. Let's take the positive first. It's liberating because, well, because joy is at the heart of the Christian faith. I mean, isn't that brilliant? That's fantastic. God wants us to be joyful. Uh, We bring most glory to God when we are most delighted in him. So pursuing delight and joy in the Lord is not only not wrong, it's positively what we all should be doing. And that's liberating because not all of us see Christianity like that. Uh, Maybe we see it more like, maybe it's a comfort to us. Maybe it's a foundation for our life. Um, Maybe it's even a duty sometimes. Uh, But is it a joy? Does it make you want to shout out? Um, And I wonder for for our friends looking in from outside the church, um, do they look in and see a community of people who are joyful, who act in a joyful way? Maybe you're a visitor here today. You wouldn't call yourself a Christian. Um, And it's great you're here, by the way. You're very, very welcome. Is that how you think of Christianity? Is it a joyful thing? Do you look at Christians and go, wow, I wish I had their joy? And so that's the challenging side of it. Because that kind of exuberant praise, that joy in the Lord is elusive. John Piper puts it like this. He says, when I understood how I should praise God... I discovered what better saints have found before me, that although praising God is my ultimate home, I am still far off and only on the way. And I know that some of you here feel like that because you've told me. Um, And I know how that feels too. Some of us here are longing for that joy because perhaps we used to have it and we've lost it, or perhaps we've never had it at all. But friends, don't despair because this psalm doesn't just command us to be joyful without giving us any any help. It gives us concrete steps to help us grow in our desire for and our delight in the Lord. But before we get to those steps, we need to remember that praising God is not normal for human beings. Uh, Naturally, we're not inclined to worship the Lord with gladness. We're just not. So in Romans 1.21, some of you will know that, that famous first chapter of Romans where Paul talks about the whole of humanity. And in verse 21, he says, for although they knew, they being all of us, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. Uh, all humans instinctively turn away from God. By nature, we love God's gifts, but we don't love the giver. So joy in the Lord is actually supernatural. It comes from God. And that means the very first thing we should always do is pray for it. To humbly and persistently ask God to give us joy in him. King David, in that famous psalm, Psalm 51, he prays, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. You see what's going on? He's asking him to restore something in him, the joy in him of his salvation. That's a great prayer for us. But so often in the Bible, even as we're called to trust God and depend on him, 
we're also shown what we can do. We don't just sit here doing nothing. We can't generate joy on our own, but this psalm gives us three things that we can actively do and consider um, that will help. So I've got three points. Uh, That was a long introduction, but each point has got two words, and one of the words is always the same. So it's nice and simple. First of all, know God. And let's uh, look together at verse 3. Oh, all my pictures have come up at once. Never mind. Uh, That's fine. You'll see where we're going. So um, it says, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So know God. You cannot praise something that you don't know about. That's just basic logic. Uh, And if something is genuinely praiseworthy, then it stands to reason that the more you find out about it, the more you will want to praise it, if it's a fantastic thing. And we all get this because we're actually all very used to giving our praise to people. That's why these pictures are up there. So uh, one on the left, Usain Bolt, Uh, celebrating his world record for the 100 metres. He had just become the fastest man who has ever lived on planet Earth. And the crowd love it. They're cheering, they're praising him. And and Usain was never shy about lapping it up, was he? Did it it kind of bolt? And now I'm not going to do it. I can't do it as well as him. Um, And you think, well, fair enough. He deserves that. He's the fastest man on the planet. That's amazing. The one in the middle there, you can't really see it, but it's it's Paul McCartney. He was on the main stage at Glastonbury this year. I read that there were 200,000 fans watching him. As he came out onto the stage, they were chanting his name. Can you imagine that? 200,000 people chanting your name as you walk out. You think, wow, he was really getting some praise. And you think, well, he's had a 65-year career. I read that he's, he's sold 100 million albums and he's written 33 number one hits. That's pretty good. He deserves some praise, that guy, doesn't he? Fair enough. And then there's the Queen, of course. Her Majesty, I don't know where you stand on that. Let's not get into that. But but whatever, tens of thousands of people turned out to show their support and respect and affection for her at the Jubilee. She's reigned for 70 years. She's outlasted 14 Prime Ministers. She deserves a bit of praise on her 70th, doesn't she? So there you go. Um, We're used to praising, but I don't know who your hero is. Put your hero in there. But none of them compare to God. And the more we know about him, the more we learn about him, the more we consider him, the more we experience him, the more we will want to praise him. So verse 3 gives us two massive things to know about God. Firstly, he's the creator in that first part of verse 3. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. So however much we marvel at created things, how much more should we marvel at the one who made them? God created Usain Bolt and he has created every great sportsman, whoever your great sportsman is, Steph Curry, Sam, for example. God created Paul McCartney, and he has created every great musician who's ever lived. God created the Queen and every great ruler. So if we praise them, how much more should we praise their creator? 
Uh, I know that some of you picked up the book uh, we were recommending, 12 Things God Can't Do. Uh, That is a fantastic book for dwelling on the attributes of God that make him so different to us, so, so other and so fantastic. He is the God who can't learn because he already knows everything. He's the God who can't be surprised because he already knows the beginning from the end. He's the God who can't lie because he is perfectly good and pure and faithful. And the more you consider these things about God, the more you will be drawn to praise him. But it's not just that he's mighty, because verse 3 goes on to say, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And this is the imagery of the shepherd. A shepherd who knows his sheep, a shepherd who lets them graze on his pasture. It's intimate, it's personal, it's relational. But it's better than that. Because in John 10 verse 11 in the New Testament, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. We know God most fully in Jesus. And we see the heart of Jesus most fully in the cross where he laid down his life for us. So to know God is to know the creator, who's powerful, majestic, awe-inspiring, and at the same time, to know the shepherd, personal, compassionate, and loving, who would lay down his life for his sheep. And if you want a song uh, to sing that sums this up, I think you could do worse than How Great Thou Art. I choose it a lot when I'm leading music. Sorry if you don't like it. But verse 1, listen to this. O Lord my God... When I in awesome wonder consider all the works thy hand hath made. I see the stars, I hear the mighty thunder, thy power throughout the universe displays. I don't even need my notes, I remember it. And then verse 3, and when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my saviour God to thee, how great thou art. It is a wonderful way to dwell on the greatness of the Lord and on the love of the Lord in Jesus. So we need to know God. Secondly, we need to thank God. Verse four, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Now, praising God and thanking God go hand in hand. A distinguishing feature of of every Christian believer is gratitude. Because we're saved by grace. Not by what we've done, but by what he's done. And if we understand this even slightly, uh, how can we not be thankful uh, I referred earlier to Romans 1.21. And notice what the people who refused to praise God also refused to do. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him nor gave thanks to him. Again, naturally, human beings do not give thanks to God. We don't recognise him. We don't accept him. We don't depend on him. We don't want him. And so we don't thank him. But when you become a Christian... All that changes. 
You are adopted as a child of God. You are given all the privileges of the Son, and you are welcomed into the very presence of God. You can walk through his gates. You can enter his courts. You can approach the throne, as it says in the last verse of And Can It Be? And Alistair Begg puts it like this. Andrew's a fan, I know. This is a picture of us boldly walking through his gates into his courts. And the password is thank you. And Eugene Peterson says the same thing in the message translation of this verse. The password is thank you. That's what gets us access to the courts of praise. And we have so much to thank God for. All of his blessings on a daily basis. His mercies which are new every morning. And it's good to thank him for those things, of course. But ultimately, we are thankful for the good shepherd laying down his life on our behalf. And when we consider that, when we really consider that, we will be drawn into heartfelt thanks and praise. We sang a song earlier that sums this up for us. When I was lost, you came and rescued me, reached down into the pit and lifted me. Oh Lord, such love. I was as far from you as I could be. And that's why we have a new song in our mouths, a deep cry in our hearts, a hymn of praise to Almighty God. I want to try to terminate here. And we all say, hallelujah. Thank you. He does it better than me. But uh, that is why we are thankful. We are chosen by God. We're adopted as his children. We are forgiven our sins. We are given a sure and certain hope beyond death. And friends, that's how Christians can still praise God and can still feel joy in the midst of trials and persecution and suffering. So let me ask you, are you thankful to God? Are you grateful? All of us struggle with this, if we're honest. We we grumble, we complain. But it's good for us to remember that we not only praise God and thank him when things are going well, but also when times are tough. Because we always have something to thank God for, even through our pain. I mentioned Determinate just now. Um, He's one of our mission partners in Rwanda. And a few weeks ago, we were privileged to have him here at the church. He came to the prayer meeting. And I was very struck by something he said. He was being interviewed. He said that he and his wife, Florence, who have been married for some years now, uh, he put it like this. He said, we're still trusting God for children, but our joy is in Christ. I was very struck by that. At the moment, they are not able to have children, and that's a source of sadness to them. But they are finding joy in Christ in challenging or discouraging circumstances, in circumstances that we would not choose, it is possible for Christians to retain joy, not by minimising the sadness or the struggle, but by focusing on what we have in Christ, giving thanks to him and praising his name. That leads to our, our third and final point, trust God. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. We praise God as we know him more, as we thank him, and finally, as we trust him. What do we do when we don't feel like praising God? When we don't want to shout for joy to the Lord? It is possible to know God, to be thankful to God, and yet 
struggle to praise God. Most of us will experience that in our Christian lives. And as I said before, some of us are experiencing that right now. And if that's you, you are not alone. Uh, Take scripture in the Psalms. Psalm 42, for example, it's an example of many. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Take church history. Charles Spurgeon, perhaps one of the greatest preachers. Uh, He was a great pastor, a faithful servant of God. He went through long periods where he struggled to praise God. And in the modern day, John Piper, who I mentioned at the start, he's written a whole book called When I Don't Desire God. Uh, This is what he writes in, in the introduction. This is why the most common and desperate question I've received over the last three decades is, what can I do? How can I become the kind of person the Bible is calling me to be? How do you get a desire that you don't have and you can't create? Or how do you turn the spark into a flame so that you can be sure it is pure fire? Many people have asked John Piper and many others, how do I get that joy? What happens when I don't feel it? And I would say, if that resonates with you, if you feel, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, then don't despair, but don't ignore it either. Uh, You're right to desire the joy that verse 1 talks about. And I hope that what we've been seeing in Psalm 100 this morning is an encouragement that we can pursue it by prayer, by knowing God, by thanking God. But pursuing joy is a long-term project. It takes time. And in the meantime, it takes trust. Uh, We need to remember that the Lord is good. His love endures forever. He has been faithful from generation to generation to generation to generation. He's not going to stop being faithful now. And the very fact that you are desiring joy in the Lord is a sign of the Spirit at work within you. So be encouraged because he loves you, because he is good, because he is faithful, and because you can trust him. And there's a song for this point that, uh, it's a song by Andrew Peterson, called Is He Worthy? We sang it at Revive. I'm not sure we've, we've sung it here and we've done it in the morning. Um, it's kind of a call and response style song uh, called Is He Worthy? If you're writing these down. And the second verse says, does the Father truly love us? And the people respond, he does. Does the Spirit move among us? He does. And does Jesus, our Messiah, hold forever those he loves? He does. Does our God intend to dwell again with us? He does. These are the truths that we need to cling to as we trust God. And songs like that one can help us to remember them, to keep us uh, thinking about them. So three things. Know God, thank God, trust God. And just as we close, I want to think very practically about how each one of us can pursue joy in the Lord as we leave here today. So Piper talks about three big areas of focus. Um, they're quite obvious in some ways, but they're hard to do, so I make no apologies for them not being very uh, hard to think of. I think they're hard to do. first one is the word. Um, can we go on to the next one and the next one? Thank you. So God's word. We must be in God's word. That's how we get to know God better. 
That's how we're reminded of the spiritual blessings we have in Christ. That's where we remember that the good shepherd laid down his life for us. So if we're not spending time in God's word, and I'm not just talking about listening to the sermon without going to sleep, I'm talking about through the week. If we're not spending time in God's word, we shouldn't be surprised if we're finding it hard to praise God. That's obvious, isn't it? Um, Some of you bought one of the other books we were recommending, Refreshed, a devotional book. If if you bought that, and I know this happens sometimes, you buy it and then you don't read it, because I've done that. If you bought it, read it. Use it through the summer. If you want some ideas, come and talk to me uh, afterwards. I'd love to give you some ideas of how you can get into the word, whether you're you're a youngster, whether you're a teenager, whether you're uh, an adult. I can give you some ideas, but we need to be in the word. Secondly, prayer. We must pray. Prayer is foundational. Let's pray for joy. It's a gift of grace. It's supernatural. It doesn't just happen. So let's humbly and persistently ask for prayer. Afterwards, I'm going to grab a coffee. I'm going to go and sit on one of those picnic tables outside. If you would like to come and pray for joy, I would love to pray with you. I'll be there. Come and find me. And the third thing is noticing the glory of God in the world around us. Use your five senses to see and experience the work of our creator and notice the way that he is working in all things for your good. So we should be intentional about pursuing joy. Is there a person who encourages you? A brother or sister in Christ who helps you lift your eyes to the Lord? Spend time with them. Invite them for lunch. Ask to pray with them. Read the Bible with them. Is there a Bible passage that you love? Perhaps the the verses that first made sense to you when you became a Christian. Print them out. Put them on a big poster. Put them on the wall. Write them somewhere. Put them in the toilet. Wherever wherever you're going to see them and, and think about them. Are there songs that spark joy in you when you listen to them? Songs are so brilliant. I've, I've made this playlist. Andrew's going to play it after the service for us. The first one on there, Trust in the Lord by Randall Goodgame. It's a memory verse from Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. It's, it's, it just makes me praise God. I put it on in the car when I'm on my own. I turn it up to full volume, going along. It, it's just fabulous because it reminds me of the goodness of God. It helps me praise him. What, what, what is that for you? Work it out. Do it. Work on your joy. The point is be intentional. Uh, because if you never consider God, or you never consider what he's done for, for you, you can't be surprised if you won't be overflowing with thankfulness and gratitude. But when you seek to know him better as creator and shepherd, when you thank him, not only for his earthly blessings, but for the spiritual blessings we have in Christ, and when you trust him, even in the tough times, because he's always good and always loving and always faithful, then the shouts of joy will come even in the midst of sadness or suffering as our brother Determine has discovered and by the way just finally that joy will bubble over we become evangelists then without even trying we can't help speaking about our faith it's attractive it's winsome people will want to know where's it coming from why are you like that it's weird and that's how the joy will spread through the whole earth So, brothers and sisters, let's pray for joy uh, uh, as we worship the Lord. Let's encourage each other to pursue joy and let's share that joy with our family, our friends, our neighbours, our community and the whole earth. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that you are our creator, you are the Lord of heaven and earth, and you are worthy of our praise. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the good shepherd who laid down your life for your sheep. And we thank you and praise you for loving us that much. Lord, we're sorry when we neglect to praise you as we should. We're sorry when we focus more on your gifts than on you. And we ask that you would help us to know you more and thank you more and trust you more. And that as we do that, you would give us joy. Joy that makes us shout out. Joy that makes us worship you with gladness. Joy that makes us come before you with joyful songs. And joy that radiates out across the whole earth so that you may receive all the praise and all the glory now and forevermore. Amen.